today with Catherine and Sharon and we're meeting up with Tracy Swim who is a uh, Montreal West resident and very involved in things happening in the West End of Montreal. She is the co-founder and co-chair of WIN, W-I-N, the West End Intergenerational Network and she was telling us all about all the different programs, activities, um and resources for community sharing very very impressive um trying to connect seniors with youth uh fantastic programs special mention of elizabeth valentine school which is in montreal west which won an award for that program we'll hear more about that and a special focus on the seniors um program out of the Montreal West United Church, which helps seniors that are um, locked in or cannot get out so much. And there's always a need for volunteers. So here we are with Tracy Swim. Today I'm here with Tracy Swim, who is the um, um, co-founder and co-chair of WIN, W-I-N. And uh, that stands for uh, the West End Intergenerational Network. And it's a very exciting program. Uh, it stands for the uh, NDG in Montreal West area. And uh, I've got a few questions I'd like to ask you, Tracy. What exactly is WIN and how um, did it fulfill the gap in services as you saw it as being the co-founder? Well, that's very, uh, that's a good, great question. Uh, thank you for having me here and making this space available. Uh, when the West End Intergenerational Network uh, came about here in in the in the West End of of Montreal, but it goes far beyond uh, Montreal, we bring together about uh, over actually forty uh, community organizations, public institutions, and um, citizens who recognize the multiple benefits and importance of uh, intergenerational connections and practice. Really what WIN does, the West End Intergenerational Network, it facilitates the collaboration and sharing of resources uh, to raise awareness about intergenerational practice. It promotes intergenerational connections and it fosters the creation of innovative programs across generations. WIN really encourages inclusion and belonging for older and younger people. That's a little bit about when <clears throat> in my work within the community and the work of uh, different, um, uh, my co-founder Miranda Potts and various other uh, connections we had, we definitely noticed a gap in terms of bringing people together of different ages. It's been part of my practice a couple of times a year. We do an intergenerational activity. I bring together school age children and older, older adults. And it really um, changed perceptions of the older people, of the younger people, and the younger people of the older people. It also helped um, both 
the different ages feel more connected to each other and to the community. So it really made people feel stronger. Uh, there's many other benefits to, to WIN itself, even for the larger community and the community organizations. Um, and because it brings together organizations from outside of their, brings organizations outside of their sectors. Some people might use the word silos. So for example, it's really important to have organizations that work with older adults and provide uh, spaces for older adults. It's really important for organizations that work with um, um, younger people or uh, and to provide those spaces for, for younger people. What was an interesting benefit of bringing um, these different groups together outside of these sectors is they were meeting each other and they were hearing more about what was happening in the community and um, they were able to build relationships with each other and also for their members, their respective um, groups. It was really, uh, really exciting what, what happens and what was happening. And it was very uh, well, uh, well, I can't say well received, uh, very no noticeable, I guess, uh, during COVID as well in terms of just those connections and the, the support and how organizations were able to support each other. Uh, so the what WIN does and intergenerational connections can do for the different organizations, it really provides opportunities for people to share experiences, however that may be, their knowledge and skills um, that are between the different age groups, different age groups that are mutually beneficial and that foster positive relationships which is really important within the community and communities. Right. Well, one of the very important um, um, concepts that I think WIN combats is uh, isolation and loneliness. Research has shown us that um, seniors and adolescents seem to suffer in a large percentage from, from um, a state of being that Cause, is caused in our community by our modern society. Can you give us an idea of some concrete programs and activities that uh, WIN um, runs to help with this issue? Well, I'm really glad you uh, mentioned that uh, in terms of isolation and, and loneliness and older people and younger people. And that I just wanted to highlight it. It's those two areas, um, they are disproportionately affected by the isolation and loneliness compared to uh, other age groups. Um, I, I just wanted to sort of break, um, dial it back just a, a bit in terms of intergenerational connection. I just wanted to sort of say some people, everyone defines it differently. And when you're thinking about intergenerational connections, we really need to first consider how do we define an intergenerational connection? Uh, for example, uh, this is the, the most prevalent is um, <clears throat> often people think of it as the, as the very old and the very young coming together. Intergenerational connections can be many combinations and permutations of people coming together of different age groups with different experiences and, and, and making connections. So 
So it's always important to to remember sort of where you're coming from or where we are coming from when we first think of intergenerational connection and then where we, um, and then open to other opportunities as, as well. So back to to your your question, uh, Branya, different um, ways to, or different activities and ways, really it depends. There's so many options. You can look at it as, uh, we all get excited when we're at our meetings and we're talking about intergenerational connections and what we're doing. Everyone comes away and there's just like, oh, I want to do this and I want to do that. And so one of the things we try to do just so that we don't get overwhelmed, we sit there and say, what are we already doing that we can do a little bit differently? Just a little bit differently. Um, so for example, uh, there's a book, you can do book clubs, right? Um, we have, you know, typically we have, you know, we sit there in a book club with with friends or, you know, our peers. Why not have, bring in um, younger people or older people, depending which groups are, are doing it? Um, I believe uh, board game clubs. Look what uh, the Montreal West Public Library is doing is having maybe board games for, for older people or board games for younger people. Make it open to all, right? Uh, or pro provide providing the opportunities and the spaces to to do different things are is uh, pretty phenomenal. Uh, what can we do? We can have uh, we can have conversations about ageism. Uh, intergenerational connections are one of the main ways to uh, combat ageism. Ageism, like you were mentioning, uh, Branya, in terms of uh, the isolation and loneliness affecting older people and um, uh, adolescents. Again, ageism is, we all often think of it, and rightfully so, as uh, negative attitudes towards older people. However, we also have this, there is ageism towards younger people as well back to the so conversations about ageism just bringing people together um, of different and to talk about uh, politics cooking we could just deaf different conversation clubs um the other thing that we i would love to do and we're sort of trying to explore and talking about it more is what spaces exist already that we can just change a little bit uh to bring in other people for example, in the high schools, they might have a photography club. How about in the photography club, inviting in members of the community? Um, after school programs in the elementary schools, we know we have some in our area, is, is they might, a lot of the time there's homework programs. There's some play time like board games. Invite you know some older adults in to provide opportunities to interact. Uh, did you know the West End, this area, has got one of the highest populations of older adults, lonely older adults, isolated older adults, and and whose families, if they have families, have moved away, and uh, they they don't have the that that support and that connection with younger people. I'm kind of, I feel like I'm rambling because I get really excited about the different opportunities oh, no. and everything that's going on. So um, yeah, this is great. 
Yeah. So was that, um, did that I, give you some? Yeah. Yeah. That gave me a good idea. I, I read on your website that the, uh, that Elizabeth Valentine school in 212 won an award. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about that? What exactly, what kind of program they did? Obviously it's with grade school children and seniors, but exactly what was the program and how it came about? So that was one of my thoughts and I was working with, uh, I had just started in community the, the year before in 2011. And I was uh, closely connected to Elizabeth, personally to Elizabeth Ballantyne's school, uh, having my children had gone there. And um, I, I am, or, and I, I was and still am at this time, I coordinate the Extra Miles uh, Senior Visiting Program. And um, one of the uh, goals or that we have there is to try to do at least a couple, it's a boutique program. We try to do a couple of intergenerational programs during the year. And that year <clears throat> it's was my, the first one we, we had done. And um, so we've invited members from the um, community, older, uh, older people from the community. And I have to say, it was a struggle to find the people because there's a hesitancy because people don't know what to expect. We could talk about that another time. We invited some members from the community, older adults, uh, if to ask them if they wanted to, to participate. And um, so we had, I guess, about 10 um, people that came in. And then we had a class from a grade six class from Elizabeth Valentine School come. Um, students are a little more eager at times because they're getting out of school. However, they come to they they come and they're still nervous and they're anxious. And the older adults are like, "Oh, how are we going to do this?" And um, they wonder how they're going to um, interact. So we wanted to ease the the interaction point and provide. Um, different opportunities to to connect so we had we thought how do we do that so we had the students arrive earlier and we gave them tasks to do greet the older adults make name tags for the older adults serve coffee and tea so our people sort of came in and felt you know more comfortable and we did a little bit of an icebreaker asked sort of different questions um because most of the older adults had gone to school um, at that time. They had gone to elementary school and or high school in the area, which was really a gift. Uh, some of the older adults actually were veterans. We, we held it close to Remembrance Day. And um, we did, so we did that. So we asked some questions, you know, did you wear uniforms when you went to school or where did you, you know, go to school? And, and the older adults and the youth were able to compare and, and contrast. Uh, these were, the youth were grade six students, so 11 to 12 years old. And um, then so that people, the youth had more time or to learn about each other, you know, get to know the older adults, we set up speed dating. So the older adults were, <laughs> I'm still trying to find a more um, inclusive term for that. Everyone gets a good shekel and then other people get a little put off. 
Um, we set them up at uh, different uh, tables, the older adults, like maybe might have paired them or individually, depending on their comfort levels. Um, so we, we had a member of somebody that had been in the Navy from World War II. We had another person that had been in the Air Force during World War II. We had, there was somebody that was from an order, the Order of Canada, a former teacher at from Royal West Academy. There was all sorts of, well, uh, formerly known as Montreal West High School um, and, and so on. It was really just uh, amazing in terms of the older adults. So they were set up at different tables and every five minutes or so, um, the students would go from table to table and um, they were able to ask questions. Um, and it just so happened that um, one of the students was a uh, loved aviation and it's just, um, and when he came to, to the aviation vet, it was just, he was starstruck. It's just, you know, it was, he was a hero and I ran into the young man uh, probably two or three years later and, and he was, still he talked to that talked to me about that um and so there was the speed dating and um, part of the speed dating we made fruit kebabs at one table and decorated um cupcakes at another table so there was points where the students could um engage or not engage and the same for for the older adults could come back and out it was, everyone was participating as they felt comfortable and um, then we had lunch. And um, so part of, and everyone came together. There was no hesitation about intermingling. Uh, the, the students didn't go off into, you know, onto their own table. They, they sat at the tables with the older adults and um, it was just a great atmosphere. And- Was this was, a, was this a one-time event or did it continue? So very good question. The goal for me is always to have something that we can turn into a regular and ongoing affair. So it really depends on the participants. It depends on space. It depends on capacity. That event, um, I do it annually. And um, I keep on working. I've started working more closely with the NDG Senior Citizens Council now known as the Eva Marsden Center that uh, brings in older adults. And um, so we keep on hoping and trying to find ways to make the it a regular and ongoing event during the year. And um, okay. so it has, it has been starting uh, to do that. It's, it's tricky when you're, you're doing that if you're working with a day center you can't have the youth unless it's that's the program you can't have the youth coming in every week because the older adults right. are coming to be together right and do their thing they love to have them maybe once a month once every six weeks but you unless you have specifically we're going to do this project which i'm working on with the the schools um or what i am we are so we do we do this annually, and it's starting to depending on sort of the who the coordinator is of the, the group of older adults. We we try to make it more regular, and um, so last year they were able to start with a, 
as pen pals. And then they did a little meet and greet over Zoom. So the older adults and the, the, the students, and then they actually came together. We did it a lot more casually last year, maybe a little bit less purpose because they'd had some, some connection. Um, and we're starting to talk about this year, bringing them together. So the students have initiated, they've written, they've written a letter that the older adults will receive in January. And then we'll try to do something a little more regular there. Okay, that sounds terrific. Mm -hmm. um, can you also tell us about the Extra Miles Senior Visiting Program and how it works? Like if somebody hears about the program and they want to get involved, they're a senior and they want to get involved, is it by referral or they can just contact you or your organization directly and be set up? Okay, uh, great. Um, so the so Extra Miles uh, Senior Visiting Program is a volunteer-based friendly visiting program uh, that basically ensures older adults and frailer adults uh, are connected with community and, and with somebody with weekly friendly visits. And we do some intergenerational programming. The people that can participate would, part, would be invited to participate. How does it work? Um, well, there's there's two sides of it. We're continually looking for volunteers for that can commit to uh, six months, uh, a minimum of six months, but really we prefer a year uh, commitment. Not many people stop after this year. Uh, they they do continue. It's usually life uh, life ex happenings that would change that. The referrals uh, typically come from uh, the CS, the CLSC, uh, either the home care teams or the nurses. We also get referrals from the some community-based organizations. In turn, lately, it's been a little more difficult to, to um, find volunteers. Um, that's starting a lot of organizations within the community are building, are building, rebuilding their, their volunteer bases. Um, it's uh, it's a lovely story of how it started. Um, it's uh, so you remember the ice storm in 1998? Yes, I do. <laughs> uh, it's uh, pretty. Uh, yeah, it was a crazy time, right? A lot of us couldn't get out of our homes. Uh, mm -hmm. No electricity. And we had the CLSC teams, the nurses, the home care people, everyone going out. Um, and one of those people was uh, Joan Foster, our Joan, Joan Foster, my from Montreal West, uh, uh, who is continues to be a community-based uh, nurse, uh, was the CLSC nurse uh, back in the day. And her and the teams, they were going into homes, they were getting older adults out, uh, trying to ensure that they were safe. But they really discovered a lot of people, discovered uh, out of the woodwork came a lot of isolated older adults that had nobody and no help and no support and um they, they found that there was a need to bring uh, to say how can we help these people feel connected uh one of these uh, people came out of their their apartment i guess second third floor walk up they were able to and were taken to the uh, Loyola Warming Center uh, at the, the time uh, where a lot of people were sleeping there. 
uh, in the NDG area. And this uh, and this this woman actually had actually had a son. The son lived in Ottawa, and the son braved coming all the way from Ottawa through the ice and whatever to get to his mom. And he gets to the warming center, and there she is. She's sitting on a chair. She has a baby on her lap and a toddler at her feet. The parents were hovering around and she looks up and she's kind of, what are you doing here? Uh, because as she, I, she was happy there. She was engaged and she was with people. And that friendly connection makes a huge difference or a connection with somebody other than a healthcare worker uh, that are all important. It's having that friendly conversation that is really huge. We had, uh, for example, uh, there's the individuals that go to the ICU. They call up the uh, urgence santé. I'm not feeling well. Um, they go to the um, hospital. And um, some people do that on a weekly basis. No, oh. no joke. They're not feeling well. And you bring in a friendly visitor is, is one example, or if you're able to find ways to engage the person, um, it this particular person, it reduced the visits to the ER significantly. Mm. Um, so these connections, friendly visiting, which is often uh, different age groups getting together, and intergenerational programming really builds a healthier uh, person and healthier community. For sure. I, I noticed on your website that there is a Zoom meeting that somebody can log on to. Is that due to COVID that you had Zoom meetings and now that the restrictions have sort of diminished. Are you able to transition back to in-person meetings or are you still on Zoom? Um, how, how are you working? It depends on the, the different, uh, different, depends on programming. It depends on bringing people together. So when what we do is we bring together, we meet regularly with, um, so all the partners. So the Eva Marsden Center, Extra Miles, uh, uh, the St. Raymond Center, the English Montreal School Board representatives, uh, Concordia University, St. Margaret's Long-Term Care or Day Center. We set up regular meetings so that we can share as hear what we're doing. And we always up until um, COVID were, were meeting in person and people who could come could come. So since COVID, those regular meetings have been happening by Zoom. And right now, people are still within all our organizations individually, but within our organizations are having major transitions from how we were working during COVID to now. So this is an easy way for people to come together and, and uh, meet. If we want to, but again, you know, if we want to meet, if we're meeting in a smaller group about a specific thing, we come together, we can come together in person. If that works, sometimes it doesn't um, because people are doing too much still. Uh, so that's, that's that part. In terms of intergenerational programming, well, that depends on the cohorts. Uh, 
uh, one of my colleagues who works in the in the community that that Miranda Potts is also the co-founder. Um, in she works with different cohorts. Some are like, bring on this youth. How can we get out there and meet them? Let's be together and and do it in person. And other ones are not comfortable still. Though we really okay. kind of work together with the, the groups in terms of or individuals and see what what works for them. What right. works for them. Um, a pen pal program came out last year or no, we started, I guess, in 2020 with West Mountain High School and there's a class there and we were really hoping to have a big celebration at the end of the year. But we know we've all been experiencing the, the waves, tidal waves. And uh, so we did the celebration, bringing the youth and older adults together on Zoom. And last year, um, they came together. Some people, we had the opportunity to do it hybrid. And most of the older adults were hesitant. The kids, the students are in school, so they're going to be there anyway. And because we didn't know what was going to be happening. But most of the older adults actually came to the school in person. Great. Yeah. So I guess it depends on maybe this coming year, 2023 will be the, the year that things will normalize a little bit. I well, think Tracy, this is sorry. Go ahead. Sorry, you were gonna I say I think you know there's been a lot of different opportunities that have been provided uh, mm -hmm. by incorporating technology. Uh, a lot of gaps with technology has you know were discovered and there's still going to be gaps but we can work with them better in the winter for older adults a lot of older adults tend to go out less or on a blowy snowy day like today there are still opportunities for people to to connect and um, right. so that's been a benefit of that and organizations are trying to adapt that way right well, thank you, Tracy. That's all the questions I have for you, but maybe Catherine and uh, Sharon have some questions that they would like to ask. Catherine, do you have any anything you'd like yeah, to ask? Yeah, I, I do have a question. Did you learn anything from the COVID experience that hasn't come out? You know, like uh, we know many things that uh, we found out about isolation and, and people like Zoom, et cetera. Any other things that you discovered that, um, you know, you want to share with us COVID? Mm -hmm. Tough question. That's a tough question to ask because I'm a co-researcher <laughs> on different, <laughs> different studies. Um, I think one of the things to bring to everyone's attention, um, it's something that had concerned me and other people probably starting a year in, and I touched on it, alerted to it earlier, is with COVID, like we were saying, it, it provided many different opportunities. Um, community organizations were amazing at filling the gaps and, and jumping in and coming together and working together um, they were able to work much faster. Like for example, here in, um, in NDG, I mean, the communications were only in French. Then we had NDG Montreal West, they were only in French. Then they were got, you know, the government started 
communicating in English. Um, but they also brought in multilingual signage, um, even different languages, because there's just so many languages spoken here um, and, and on the island of Montreal. So that's just one small, small example. So what COVID did by, you know, everyone becoming more comfortable was or comfortable with Zoom and knowing about Zoom and then the teams and, and, and these ways of meeting. Um, one, there was the adrenaline that was pumping. Also, though, there was a lot of time saved for people by um, not having to travel as far to work and not um, or to meetings. Um, so that saved a lot of some time. So it created time. Plus, having your office in, in your home, you tended to be on things uh, that maybe your technology more often um, as well. So people took on a lot. During COVID, people were also able to do different things. And I'll sort of the punchline is basically is that is now that we're, most people are going back to per in person, there's still the expectations of everything that was being done during COVID. And how do you dial it back and find the right balance? And the perfect example, one of my colleagues, um, they, they go to, during the typical year, in-person year, they go to, let's say four, three to five work sites during the week. And they, they're at different work sites each week, each day, not week. Um, so what COVID did, it, it's a colleague that works it works uh, for one of the school boards. And last year, when all the students were there, these particular colleagues were able to, they worked in the schools three days a week, worked at home two days a week. The two days a week were planning and supporting their respective schools. They were also able to work with their other colleagues uh, and develop really exceptional programming uh, that the schools enjoyed. So this year, they're back in the schools every day and they have kind of a different boss every day, like every school they go to. All the schools want them in the schools and they still want this additional programming so within community, with, you know, different aspects, there's expectations that have been set and we've been putting them on ourselves. And we've also been, I guess our, our clients is what they're expecting. So it's trying to manage that really. That's why this fall, if uh, things seem wonky for people, that's one of the, the things is, is, how do we transition back? How do we provide all the services that we were providing or not? So we have to, that has to all be rethink about. Did that answer your question, Kathy? Or was there, was oh, it does. I just wanted you to have a chance to talk about COVID experience and what you learned and how you worked and yeah. But, uh, was that helpful? Yeah. Yeah. Sharon, would you like to ask anything? Sure. Well, thank you for, for all that information. It's a lot and, and the wonderful work you're doing interconnecting uh, children and adults. Uh, I wondered what your favorite example was that that maybe from your early days or whatever that, 
that just sort of, it still brings a smile to your face as you remember it. Oh my, well, you know what? It's almost every, it's every time we bring together older and younger people and, I, and I'll explain. Um, so one of those intergenerational days. So remember the, it's the contact's very limited, right? It's in terms of, it's four hours out of, out of a period of time. Um, I'll work back from COVID. The first things that the older adults said when they came back and they were meeting for the first time, not the, on that first day, they said, when are we going to be working with the children? Or when are we going to be together with the children? Um, going back and all other programs, one of these, these intergenerational days uh, that Extra Miles uh, organized uh, so we have teachers there, we have the older adults there, we have the students there, uh, volunteers of, of various ages uh, are there. Um, one of the sort of, I guess the second or third one I'd organized, uh, it was with the day center. So it's with uh, older adults that come together once a week. And I knew them quite well, I thought. And so I go in the week ahead. I'm talking with the coordinator, and we're saying, "Yeah, talk about it. Talk, tell, tell them what was happening." And so I had people crossing their arms, the ones that I knew well-ish, and heads down, <laughs> and and basically said, "Tracy, what are you doing to us? Bringing you know these students? This is you know forget it." And some of them were grandparents. There was one that was a grandparent for sure, like. A lovely grandparent loved her grudge. Why are you doing this to us? Like, okay. And so, so we always create spaces. If you want to participate, great. If you don't want to participate, it's okay. We'll create a space for you, especially when you're coming together for once a week. You need your spaces. And um, the students come um, the following week. I'll give it to these older adults. They could have not have been there at all. And they, or they could have chosen to be off in the space. They said, no, we're going to do this. We'll participate. You know, we're grownups. And um, throughout that, so throughout that time, we had a, a teacher and there was actually a student teacher there as well. And at two separate occasions, the teacher said, couldn't believe how helpful their students were. There was uh, some at-risk students that were in this class um, that probably didn't have many connections. And the teacher said they had never seen certain students behave that way. They've only seen them in the schoolyard. They hadn't, didn't see them being helpful, having conversations um, and listening. And they were like, the teacher said, I, the teacher said it. I am going back to my classroom and I'm going to interact differently with my students. That's huge, right? These opportunities provide a, a space for people, students and older adults that don't thrive in the prescribed ways, like, you know, the, the typical traditional school systems or the traditional day-to-day -day lives that some people live. So the student, the teacher said that to me and the student teacher was like, oh, I've got to do this and bring older adults into my classroom or vice versa when I'm a teacher. Um, 
the older adults, the ones that had been the most hesitant, like, like not even hesitant, it's like, this is, you know, forget it kind of thing. They're like, Tracy, that was the best day I've had. Thank you. Um, it, and they didn't just say that. They said, the students listened to me. <laughs> they were shocked that the 10 and 12 year olds would have a conversation with them. Not just the older adults, the youth, the same thing. They were surprised that the older adults wanted to sit there and listen to them. And they weren't telling them what, this is an aside, not telling them what to do. So the, the beauty of this and why it's so important too is that you know, our society, North America, is very age segregated. It wasn't as very age segregated. And the opportunities to come together and to learn and get different experiences are just not there. And it really does build. It's not just benefits for the individuals. It's benefits for the community and what people can give to the community. Um, what youth can get out of it. Youth that are mentored or have connections with older adults. Um, I, I can't, successful is the wrong word. Um, just to have a better path forward. And older adults that have connections with younger people um, tend to live longer and have healthier lives. And, and you see that every time a group of people of different ages come together, uh, you, you, you don't see them live longer. I'm sorry if that's what, <laughs> there is a magic. There, there is a, a connection. Uh, and like they say, you touch one person, right? And they get, and it, it's, it's always an exchange. There's always ends up being an exchange and it, gets rid of the, and it's not in the familial hierarchy, the generational hierarchy in a family, right? You're, you, you, that's removed when you people come together purposefully and meaningfully outside of the, the generations in a family. So it's really about older people and younger people coming together and learning and experiencing things together. Did that- well, thank Thank you for creating those very special moments and obviously days uh, for people. I'm sure they remember it a long time. Um, you're right, Sharon. Thank you for saying that. And when, and I will say this, the teacher has come back and for the grade six students, they're graduating and they do a lot of special events for the grade six students, right? And the at the end of the year, the teachers are asked, you know, what was, you know, what are your memories? And she continually tells us it's that day, that one day, four hours that they were together. And we, we talked about it before, how the older adults, when they came back after not being together two years for two years, wanted to see the youth. Uh, it's very impactful and it just changes the way you think of things, look at what we're doing, what can we do a little bit differently to uh, create those spaces to bring people together. 
Well, Tracy, what it sounded like a, a really wonderful moment that was brought together, that was created between uh, the adults and the uh, the older adults and the uh, school children. Sounds great. Well, thank you so much for your perspective and your thoughts on your organization. And um, have a good end of the year and a good beginning of next year. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you to each of you as well. Thank you for making this space available. And uh, if anyone has questions, post, you know how to find me. And it would be great to chat. Thank you thank so you. much for this.